Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor David Hall, Senior Pastor of LifePoint Church. For more information, visit our website on www.davidhall.com.au. you raise your hands to heaven across the house. Spirit of God, we thank you for the fire of the Holy Ghost. Let some Rusha Kabanda, let the power of God fill the house tonight in the name of Jesus. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit of God. And Lord, we thank you for what you're about to do in this house in Jesus' name. (laughs) There you go, that's enough. (laughs) Sit down. If you have a Bible, turn with me, please, to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 10. And I want to have a look really at just a portion of this passage, and we'll open it up a little bit and and see what God wants to do in the house. uh, But I, I want to have a look at this. In verse 44 of Acts chapter 10, it says this, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and they asked him to stay a few days. This, uh, this is a pretty potent chapter of the book of Acts because history, world history, particularly church history changed at that moment forever and forever. We see here that the move of God, the touch of the Holy Spirit, salvation, the grace of God, all of those precious gifts from heaven were not only for the Jewish people anymore, but God had shown us and, and proven to us by this very moment that the presence of God and the power of God, the name of Jesus, was for, in fact, the, the, the very same uh, people he talked about in John 3.16. No longer was the power of God only for the Jewish people, but John 3.16 was promised and fulfilled. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever aren't you glad that you're a whosoever in this house who called upon the name of Jesus could be born again by the spirit of God and come into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we see this story, and it's important that we see what's happening. Peter here is is speaking the Word of God, and the Bible says, while Peter was speaking, the King James, while Peter yet spake, the Holy Ghost fell on all who were there. And I, I guess before I get into the message, I'll give you my subject today. I want to preach a message tonight called a Holy Ghost takeover. A Holy Ghost takeover. Now, it might just seem, yeah, Peter was preaching and, and it's all good. And, and he preached a message, the Holy Spirit fell. But I want to just paint a picture and let you know what's going on in this story. Two things are happening at one time. There is a parallel story happening at one time. Right here, you see a man by the name of Cornelius. Cornelius was a devout man. He was seeking after God, but you could say that he hadn't, he hadn't found God. He was, but he was on a pursuit of God and he was the centurion of the Italian regiment, meaning he had 150 of the top, the top Roman soldiers at his disposal. 
that he could use for whatever plan or purpose that he had. And, and, and he, he, he was a generous man. He was a, a man who was seeking God, a man of influence. But he hadn't yet found God. But he gets a vision. God begins to speak to him. And, and there's, a, there's a message that comes to him to say, send some servants to the town of Joppa. And, and you, you're looking for a man by the name of Peter who's staying in the home of Simon the Tanner. And he said, you've got to go and find him. And the Bible says, and in, in, in the book of Acts, it says, he shall tell you what you ought to do. Go and look for this man. And so in his pursuit of God, he sends servants to look for Peter. And God is setting this uh, moment up. And it's, and it's a powerful thing. Yet at the same time, Peter is where God told Cornelius that he would be. And Peter is doing whatever he does. I don't know if he got up and had some wheat picks and did his thing. The Bible's very clear that he was taken at that moment into a vision and he had a trance. He fell into a trance. He fell out under the power of God. He, he was impacted by the Spirit of God. And while he was there, having that moment, God begins to speak to him and says, there are men coming. And he says, you need to follow these men. And he says, go without doubting because I'm going to do something supernatural. And so then what happens is Peter follows them to the home of Cornelius. There would have been the smell of linguine. There would have been the smell of gnocchi. There would have been ravioli. There would have been fish and chips. They're all gathered in the house and, and it's pretty amazing. Peter starts to preach. Just before I talk to you about what happened in that room, I want to let you know that sometimes God will set up circumstances that may seem like you don't know the full picture. But how many know that God might be speaking to you and saying, hey, I want to move you in this direction, and you don't know the full picture, but at the other, uh, uh, on the other side, God's talking to somebody else and is lining something else up. Maybe God's talking to you about, say, oh, you need to bring someone to church, and you're like, oh God, that's a big thing. But you don't know what God's setting up on the other side of it in prayer and in the Spirit, because when obedience comes in contact with, with the will of God, there's always a meeting point between obedience and the miraculous. And so you see here, God, like for example, there's Abraham. He, he takes Isaac to, to, to sacrifice him on the top of Mount Moriah. He goes to kill him, to kill his son. I mean, it's a, it's a crazy thing to do. And, and, and so as he's going up there, he's walking up this, this, this Mount of Moriah. This is a mountain and he's walking to the top of the mountain in obedience to God. But the Bible says that when he got there to kill the son, he found a ram in the thicket. Let me tell you about Sheep, they don't have big lung capacity. A sheep would not be able to survive at the top of Mount Moriah. But going up one side of the mountain was obedience. And so coming up the other side of the mountain was provision. And whenever obedience or faith or obeying God or stepping out and believing God happens, there is always a meeting point for the blessing of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so here, you've got Peter hearing from God. You've got Cornelius hearing from God. And now suddenly we are in, in this moment. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel like something, something's going to happen. And so now they're gathered in the house. Now you picture this. You've got Cornelius and the family. Now how many know one thing? Italian families are big. I know Pastor Danny Guglielmucci. He lives in Adelaide. Every single person in Adelaide is related to Danny Guglielmucci. We all live in Adelaide. That's my cousin. 
the guy is clearly not from the same country as him, but somehow he's still related. They're all, every Italian I know, everybody's their family. And so my opinion, and, and I could be making this up, I imagine that if all of Cornelius' household was there, Nonna was there. Cousin Vinny was there. Giuseppina was there. They're all gathered in the house, plus 150 that are, are hanging around Peter. They're all gathered, uh, hanging around, sorry, the, the, of the Italian regiment. They're all there. I mean, that house was full of people. And there'd been visions. There'd been anticipation. There'd been a journey. The man of God had come to this place and, and they're gathered in the house of Cornelius and Peter starts preaching. And I, I don't know what it is about Peter, but I've read a lot of his sermons. His sermon in the book of Acts, chapter two, awesome sermon. You hear Peter talking faith. He's a man of faith, man of power. He could preach. He, he had something. But here in Acts chapter 10, I feel like Peter is preaching like a man possessed by the Spirit of God. I mean, this guy, he, he wasn't just preaching Pentecostal. He was Pentecostal. I mean, he wasn't just charismatic. He was charismaniac. I mean, Peter was on something, man. He had been touched with a fire of God. So he starts preaching and he gets up and he goes, he, he starts, you know, just a gentle introduction. He says, God's no respecter of persons. And then he starts talking about how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. And he goes on to say, and we were witnesses of all things in which we both did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed Jesus by hanging him on a tree. And God raised him from the dead. And he goes on to say, whoever calls on his name will be saved. And he starts, he starts preaching the word, but God obviously was sick and tired of waiting to do what he had sent Peter to do. So Peter's preaching, minding his own business. And God's like, do you know what? Now is the time. And boom, the Holy Ghost just fell. I mean, that you know it's good. Pete, this moment had been set up and now the Spirit of God takes over that meeting. I don't know about you, but I'd love it if on Sunday morning or Sunday night in my church at home, every now and then, if the Spirit of God would go, do you know what? You're doing okay, but let me just get involved here just a little bit. Like when, when worship's happening, when, you, when you're in the service and they're singing a song, maybe the Spirit of God just comes in and, and boom, I've I got to get involved in this moment. I've I got to take over. I mean, Paul and Silas, they're in prison praising God. The Bible says they're chained between other soldiers and they're, in there for casting a demon out of a girl. And the Bible says that it was at midnight and they're singing hymns to God. I don't know about you, but Australians have one constitutional right. We whinge when we get in trouble. I don't know if Kiwis whinge, but Australians, we whinge. It's it's an anointing. If I was chained up and in prison for preaching Jesus, I doubt that I'd be singing at midnight. I wish I was. I'd be whinging, going, God, I've been serving you faithfully. This isn't fair. Not Paul and Silas. They're in prison and the Bible says they began to sing songs unto God. But it says they sang hymns. Do you know, hymns are not, don't think in terms of, and can it be that I should gain an interest in thy Savior? Or great is thy faithfulness. Good songs, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Say to rest like me, how great thou art, how great thou art yesterday. All my troubles seem so far away. Now it seems as though they're here to stay. No, so not, not hymns like those. What a, what a hymn actually means is a song that you sing to God. 
So when you say, Jesus, I worship you. Jesus, I mean, there's nothing wrong with singing songs about anything. I like to sing songs of faith tonight. We made declarations of faith that God is limitless and, and those things. Let me tell you, I believe that, but sometimes there is something beautiful of just stopping and saying, you are wonderful. God, you are awesome. God, I praise your name. And so they're there and they're singing hymns. They're singing to God. God, you are magnificent. You, you are mighty. You are, and, and as they're worshiping God, what happens? There's, a, there's another Holy Ghost takeover. It seems to happen all through the book of Acts. Boom, the Holy Spirit fills that place and the ground shakes. There's an earthquake and all their chains fell off. But do you know, it wasn't just their chains that fell off. It was the chains of every other prisoner in that place. Can I tell you, when you praise God, when you... Man, I feel like preaching just a little. When, when, when you just magnify Him and, and glorify Him, not only, not only do your chains break off, but the chains of the people around and about you. See, see, tonight, while we were singing, I don't just sing for myself. I'm not just singing because, man, I'm happy with Jesus right now. I'm in Pastor Tark's church. This is as good as it gets. I can't wait to tell my friends about it, put a picture on Instagram and have a bit of pride. And so I want to do all those things and I will tweet. But I didn't come and sing just because I'm happy. I sang because I'm born again. And I sang because what, what if my song had the power to just break the chains off the person sitting next to me. What if what, if, what, if what I had to sing? See, when, when we start living in that space where God is in control, He takes over and does supernatural things. Isn't that, uh, isn't that awesome? Who am I to withhold my praise? I don't get the luxury of coming to church grumpy. Oh, I'm not praising God today. I'm angry. I'll, I'll only lift my hands when the lights are purple. But when they go red, I get very fearful of a lost eternity. I don't know what. <laughs> Here's the thing. We shouldn't switch our praise on and off based on what we're feeling because it's not about us. It's about the people around and about us. There are Holy Ghost takeovers all through the Word of God. You read it. One of my favorites is one of the Psalms, Psalm 91. I'll read you. You don't need to turn there. I'll just read it to you. I won't read you the whole thing, but I'll show you something. Moses, this is the psalm of Moses. It's a famous psalm. Verse one, he says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And he starts saying, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God and him will I trust. It's a good psalm. He goes on. Let's just jump down. Verse five, you shall not be afraid at the terror by day or, or by night. His truth shall be your shield. He says, he says, verse 9, because you have made the Lord your God my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. No evil will befall you. And he starts talking about he'll keep you, he will keep you in all your ways. And he starts, he's talking to God, he that dwells. And da, 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 da. He's talking to God, talking to God. God will do this for you. But then somehow, and I don't know why it does this, in verse 14, God takes over. So Moses stops writing. And God says, because he has set his love upon me, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me. I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him. I read this psalm and I'm thinking, well, who's writing this thing? Moses is writing so well and God's going, you know what? You're doing a good job. I'm taking over. I've got this Moses. You just step aside. 
Why? Because God will take her. I pray that our worship in church, I pray that my devotional life will get so overcome by the presence of God. I don't know where I end and he begins. I mean, I don't know where it stops and he takes over. All I know is that when he takes over, supernatural things begin to happen for the glory of God. If you believe it, can you give God? I mean, we see it all through the Bible. The priests are trying to dedicate the temple. This beautiful temple that they built for billions of dollars. It was so powerful that when the queen of Sheba saw it, she passed out. She said, this is great. Thump. You know it's good. You know you've got a good church when that happens. It wasn't even the Holy Ghost. It was just a good building. But the priests, the Bible says they were, they were just trying to do their stuff. They're, they're trying to take blood from the brazen altar into the holy of holies and do their ministry stuff and make it all happen and the bible says as they're doing it so we, we think of it all, all as nice they've got dead animals it's all happening and they're trying to do this in the best way possible the bible says as they're trying to minister the glory of god falls they couldn't stand up anymore why because god took over i love it when god takes over When's the last time you came to the altar and God took over? When's the last time you couldn't stand because of the glory of God? I mean, when's the last time you had a refreshing touch of the Spirit of God? When's the last time you came in contact with the moving of the Holy Spirit when God takes over Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They wouldn't bow. We know the story. They're minding their own business. And then they create this law and says, if you don't bow down, you go into the fire. They wouldn't bow down. What happens? They go into the fiery furnace. The Bible says they turn it up seven times hotter. And King Nebuchadnezzar is looking inside and he says, how many men are in that furnace? We put three in, but I see a fourth one. He looks like the son of God. And they'll walk in that place unbound and free by the grace of God. Why? Because God took over. I, I'm telling you today, I'm believing there's coming a day where God's going to take over in politics. God's going to take over in the affairs of society. I don't think God's finished with New Zealand. I don't think he's finished with Australia. I don't think he's finished with America. He's still on the throne and the Holy Ghost is still... The Holy Ghost, Paul on the road to Damascus, minding his own business. Well, not really, he's going to kill some people, but other than that, he was minding his own business. Heading to Damascus, the Bible says a light shines from heaven, boom, he hits the ground. And he gets up and he's blind. I mean, you know God's moving. When you get so touched by God, you go blind. I mean, we come for refreshing. Tonight we're going to do an altar call for blindness, not for a cure. So you can get blindness, so you can truly know you've been touched by God. Paul went blind. How was church? Fantastic. Can't see a thing. In fact, the, move, the touch of God on Paul was so great that his name was actually Saul. And the S fell off his name and God stuck a P on the front of that thing. It's like I asked Sam this morning, I said, how was church? He said, man, it's so powerful. You now have to call me Pam. I said, no worries. I'm happy to do that. What happened? God took over. I mean, when God, you know when God's touched your life. Paul was blind. I mean, Jacob, he was, he was worshiping God one day. God touches him by stabbing him in the hip. It's not a good day. How was church? Absolutely fantastic. What about Isaiah? The Bible says God touched his lips with a coal from the altar of heaven. It's never fun. You go, oh, that's just beautiful and spiritual. No, the angel wouldn't touch it. He was carrying it with tongs. The angel comes in with tongs. You know it's hot. I mean, it's the first time we see speaking in tongues in the whole Bible. But that's, that's stupid. But the angel, angels aren't as considerate. They like to frighten people. Fear not! Ah! But he, this angel comes in. So you say to Isaiah, imagine Isaiah and Paul 
Jacob getting together in heaven. How? Let's talk about that move of God. Wasn't it powerful? I was, I was going, oh, it's one of the greatest things I've ever a part of. What do you think, Paul? Oh, man, it was fantastic. We're over here. Oh, it was fantastic. I mean, I'll never be the same again. What happens? God takes over. I don't know about you, but in your family, maybe you're at the end of your line. Maybe you feel like giving up. Can I tell you, why don't you let God take over? Maybe you've been trying in your own strength for a long time. You've been pushing in your own strength. Why don't you say, God, in the name of Jesus, I praise you. I magnify you. You are King of Kings. You are Lord of Lords. Come Holy Spirit. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now, God wants to do something in this house tonight. I'm going to preach short. We're going to pray. I was, in, I was in a meeting with my dad. I know you know my dad. He's been here a few times. He's a very delicate man, Pastor Tim Hall. And I was with my dad in Houston, Texas. Represent. Kill. So we're in Houston, Texas. And my dad's preaching. And he's trying to do the salvation altar call. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Piano comes up, you know. And this lady comes from the side of the building and she just starts dancing, you know. And dad says, ma'am, would you please be seated? I'm just trying to do the altar call. And she says, no. And dad goes, ma'am, I'm, I'm asking you nicely, would you please sit down? I'm trying to do the salvation call. She says, no. And dad goes, ma'am, would you sit down? She goes, I will not sit down. I've been sitting paralyzed from the waist down in that wheelchair for 24 years. Come on, somebody, if you believe in miracles, give God a shout of praise for just. I tell, I tell you no lie. Dad goes like this. Please continue. <laughs> and as he said that, from the other side of the building, there was another woman. She'd been in a wheelchair 11 years from a similar situation. She gets up and she walks down. And she, let me tell you, there was no problems getting people to the front for salvation that day. Let me tell you, no one can argue with a miracle. When the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the dumb talk, when those things happen, there is no denying that God's alive and God's moving. Do we have any people that believe in miracles in the house? If you do, shout amen. Bless I can tell you, I can tell you miracles happen. Supernatural things, God takes over. I was preaching in New Orleans, Louisiana, in Pastor Frank Bailey's church. It was the year after Hurricane Katrina had decimated that city. And Pastor Frank's a shifty guy, in a good way. You might call it shiftiness, I call it resourcefulness. But he, he says, what we're going to do, we're going to have people coming in all week trying to do relief aid in the city. He said, so what we'll do is we'll get them to do the relief aid during the day and we'll do night church services and get them blasted with the Holy Spirit. You had people from Billy Graham Ministries. You had people from like Presbyterian Baptist churches and they're coming in to full on Holy Ghost meetings. So they're coming to serve the city. And so Pastor Frank's getting them touched by God. Every night, the whole, for, for, for a good year after Katrina, hundreds of people are coming every night of the week to these re revival meetings. So I get invited to speak for part of that revival and end up, uh, in, in, in the back, the building's pretty similar in size to this. So it's a big room. And, and at, the back of the, at, at the back of the church, there was 12 Koreans from New York City. They all lived in New York. And they were Presbyterians. And they were coming to serve. And we had four days of Holy Ghost meetings. The first meeting, they're sitting there like this. They had never seen anything like that. Yeah, they, they, I mean, 
I mean, you, you're used to people falling out of the power. What about the first time you saw it? <laughs> so, oh, Jesus, are they alive? No, it doesn't matter. It's good. So, so they're, they're sitting there. Second night, their body language changed a little bit. Like, third night, they're kind of like. Fourth night, I knew something had shifted because I saw this. So I thought, we got them. We're going to get them. So I said, you guys from the church in New York, come. They all come down. Bro. You could see that they'd obviously been talking over the days. And they come down the front, they shuffle down the front. They stand there. First one we prayed for. In the name of G. Never had time to say this. In the name of G. She is the floor. The next guy. In the name of Jesus. In the name all 12 of them slain in the spirit, touched by God. They get up and they come and say goodbye after the service. They said, can we talk to you? I said, sure. They said, we came to New Orleans, Presbyterian. And they said, we're leaving Pentecostal. I said, come on, baby, come on. Why? Because when God takes over, super. So, man, I got so pumped. I flew out that, that same next day. I'm on the airplane. I'm listening to my music. I was so pumped past the tark. I couldn't help it. I let go. I, I got crazy. I shouted at the back of this American Airlines plane. I'm like, wow, gee, let me tell you, don't do that after 9 11. <laughs> so, wow, the shooter, she runs down. She says, sir, right now your volume's at a 12. I'm going to have to ask you to make it a six. I thought, man, when I get back to my church, I'm going to tell them you've been at a six too long. It's time to jack it up to a 12 and believe that God's alive and does supernatural things. Why? Because the Holy Ghost took over. I want a Holy Ghost takeover in my church, in my ministry, in my home, in my finances. Let God be God and do what God's called you to do in the name of Jesus. I'm going to tell you one more story. Then we're going to pray and believe God for something to happen. I was preaching in Pensacola, Florida last year in July. And back in the day, they had a real move of God in that church. And they have a youth conference. There's probably a couple of thousand teenagers there. And during the service, as I'm preaching, there was a girl at the back and I called her up and said, sweetheart, can I pray for you? And so she comes forward and I realized as she's walking down the aisle that she has an eye patch on her eye. And I thought to myself, this is awesome. I've never prayed for a pirate before in my life. This is they're fantastic. So I said, sweetheart, lift your arms to the Lord. And I asked her what she wanted prayer for. Was it scurvy? And I, I'm not sure if it was. I said, how did you get here? Did you sail the high seas? No, I didn't say. All right. <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's silly. So I said to her, I said, sweetheart, why have you got the eye patch? What's, what's wrong with your eye? She said, I've got, a, I've got cancer in my tear duct. And it's putting, she would have been 14 putting pressure on my eyeball and, and the pressure's so big, now I can't see. So we prayed. And I want to emphasize that we prayed. It wasn't me prayed, we prayed. There's nothing more powerful than the household of faith, believing God together for the miraculous. Do you believe that? And, and so, so we prayed. And in fact, I actually don't even think it was we. It's generally like a nana in the back of the church that gets all the stuff done in God in a church service. See, see the, 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 the naughty people sit at the back. 
and the nanas sit at the back. And that's why the naughty people always get saved at the back. If you're naughty, sit somewhere in the middle. Uh, because if you're at the back, there's going to be a sweet old lady praying for you going, Lord, save that naughty boy in the name of Jesus. You have no choice. A praying mother, well, that, that's, a, that's a bit of a weapon of some destruction. A praying grandmother, weapon of mass destruction. I actually believe a praying grandmother may even get the devil saved. You just don't know. They... So we're praying for this girl and obviously an old lady at the back said, Lord, just heal the girl so we can go home and have some tea. That would be marvellous and some Yorkshire pudding. But anyway, we're praying. She hits the ground under the power of God. She gets up. And this is after I left the service. She's taking her eye patch off and she's telling people she's seeing. So they're texting me, so she's seeing. And so I'm being a bit conservative because I don't want to declare someone cancer-free, tell everyone about it, and, you know, it's just a good moment. And so I said, I want to get it. I want to hear a result. I don't want to just tell people this has happened. And so this was July. In around October and November last year, I got a message from the pastor, one of the pastors in the church. They said, David, we've got to let you know something. That young lady went and had an MRI, and she has been given the all clear by the doctor. They said, you are cancer-free, and she's healed by the power of God. Can I tell you, if he can do it in Florida, he can do it in Auckland. If he can do it in, in, in Pensacola, he can do it right here in West Auckland. Why? Because he still heals. He still delivers. Maybe you've been suffering at the hands of doctors. Maybe you've been doing it in your own strength and saying, God, where's the breakthrough? What about tonight? You say, God, Holy Spirit, take over. In the name of Jesus, if you believe that God does miracles, can somebody give God a praise for just one minute in the house? We give you praise, God, for your goodness and your grace. Maybe if a keyboard player can come. I was preaching in Dallas, Texas a year ago. And this girl, this is not really part of my message, but it's to transition as we come into a moving of the Holy Spirit. And she said, she wrote on Twitter, she said, and her name was Deirdre. She said, uh, I'm going to here. And she tagged me in there at David Hall 1981 and said, I'm coming to hear Dave Hall preach and I'm believing that I'm going to be slain in the spirit, she wrote. And I thought to myself, well, that's awesome. So I'm having a look at this message and this is so cool because she's coming. Fun. Can I just say when he plays, it always sounds more anointed. I'll show you. Just don't play for one second, but get ready to play. I could just go, you know, friends, God loves you. And you'd be like, yeah, maybe. And now you play. God loves you. And you're like, that he does. That he does. So this girl writes on Twitter and she says, Dave's going to pray for me and I'm going to be slain in the spirit. So I get to the meeting. There's a big crowd in this meeting. I pray for a couple of people and I just don't know why I did it. It must have been the Lord. I said, that young girl in the brown dress in the balcony, you come forward. She comes forward, comes up the front. I said, sweetheart, what's your name? She says, my name's Deirdre. I'm like, for real? She's like, yeah. I said, are you the one that wrote on Twitter with the tweet that you're going to get in touch? She said, yeah. I was like, this is awesome. I said, well, let's pray. And so I said, sweetheart, so be it according to your faith in the name of Jesus. And the fire of God touched her. Can I tell you why that happened? It had nothing to do with me. She placed a demand on the anointing of God. And if you, if you want a Holy Ghost takeover in your life, place a bit of a demand on the power of God and say, God, 
I'm hungry in this place in the name of Jesus. You know, can we, I'm going to pray for one group of people and then we're going to pray for people who need a Holy Ghost takeover in their life and God to do something by His Spirit in the name of Jesus. But while every head's bowed for just one moment, every person in prayer, there's one takeover that you need God to do in your life. And that's to let God take over the control of your life and surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe you're sitting in this room tonight and you're not walking with God, you're away from Him. And you know, to, you, know you need to get your heart right with God for whatever reason. Maybe sin has crept in or something's crept in that's put distance between you and God. And you'd say, David, tonight, I know that I know that I know that I need to give my heart to Jesus Christ. Whether you're on the floor or whether you're in the balcony, I'm talking to every person in this room that would say, David, I want to get saved. I want to give my heart to Christ. I want my sins forgiven. I want to be born again. If you're in this room right now, while well, heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I want to lead somebody or, or, or more than one person. I want to pray for those who want to find Jesus. If you're in this house and you say, David, you're talking to me. I need to let God take over my life. While well, heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you quickly slip up your hand so I can see who you are? I'd love to pray for you. God bless you over on my right.